Welcome back to the Hoops Temple Podcast. You all know me, Nathan Schwartz. Joining me in Sacramento, Aaron Schroeder. Good to see you guys. Good afternoon. And join us in New Zealand, Dylan Williamson. Somehow also good afternoon. Ooh. Wait, how is it? That was 11. Oh, I mean, it's, it's you know, close. It's, uh, <laughs> we have a good afternoon, good morning, and good night here. Come on, Dylan, you can't be throwing us good off. Good morning. We have our Truman Show in- entrance. We we had it all exactly. figured out. Yeah. One movie. I was, was going to stretch it and be like, you know, like 11 feels like it's afternoon, but like it's literally in the name that it's afternoon. So it is really can't clearly stretch that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can get away with it's always five o'clock somewhere, uh, but I don't think you can get away with calling 11 afternoon. So it's not okay to start drinking it. Uh, maybe it's five not. o'clock somewhere. Five o'clock somewhere, yeah. It might be. name on a Monday, is that all right? <laughs> Why not? Uh, but speaking of drinking, we're going to drink in the glow of some of the in-season tournament standings here. Uh, we're focusing, heading into the final in-season tournament game day, we only have two teams locked into their positions. Uh, that is going to be Group A, Indiana Pacers in the East, and Group A, it, uh, Los Angeles Lakers. I almost said Indianapolis Lakers. Starting things off, gentlemen, what have you seen from the Pacers? They are 4-0 and with a plus 9.7 differential in tournament play. The Pacers have constructed this insane offensive juggernaut. They are the best off adjusted offensive rating of all time. A bottom 10 defensive rating, <laughs> adjusted defensive rating of all time. Um, they are they're playing um, basically uh, like one read, two seconds or less. As soon as you cross half court, they're getting shots up as fast as possible. They have the worst. I mean, this the, the defense isn't a construct of their of their play style more so this they're just adapting to the players that they have like they they don't have anyone that's playing any defense and they're just leaning really far into that um and they've gotten into these awesome shootouts and it can win you games every game is going to be about 130 to 130 but with Halliburton he looks like he's taken that leap into something really special we had him like we had him pretty good right outside the top 20 prior to the season and i think you could look at like a top 15 at this point uh, which is it i know it's not many spaces but it's still a, a big jump to make he's just an offensive machine like he's he's turning these guys this, this team into into what dirk and steve nash were or what nash and the Suns were i mean he's like he's kind of and that's it like he's nash-esque in the way he's running this offense I think last time we talked about them, they were having a great offensive run, um, and I brought up concerns about maybe some unsustainable three-point shooting. And that has like kind of regressed. Like Everyone's kind of shooting what you'd expect from them. And also, we're now deep enough into the season that it's a significant sample size. Like You can't have a hot streak for you know this, this far into the, into the season. You know, some of that is going to be real. And, and the shooting isn't really that outrageous. So I think that the Pacers really are a legit offensive team and it's just crazy that they are so bad on defense as well i love the thing aaron said in there comparing them to the phoenix suns because i've been watching them like man if only we could get them in amari stoudemire if only we could get them this just devastating four to run pick and roll or with um with halliburton because like yes they push the ball incredibly well and i love i love watching you know halliburton push it and like he is one of the best creators for his team just in the combination of his looks his reads him pushing the ball in transition uh and then the defense has to react to him they come to him 
him when he's beyond the arc, and he's been scoring incredibly efficiently. And when they throw two guys, or when they push guys at him, then he makes the right read. Like, this guy is shooting 50, 45, 92 right now. It's, it's been fantastic. And just kind of looking at the teams that they played going through the in-season tournament, uh, they took out Cleveland. They took out Philadelphia. They had the 300-plus point game against Atlanta. And then the big one was beating the Pistons, and that's that's where they get a lot of their point differential from because uh, the other three were close games. But solid competition to uh, to take Group A. And in their last game, they went on just a, a nuclear run to finish out the Pistons. I think the Pistons were up with like six minutes left, and uh, that the, the game was, was a 20-point blowout by the end of it. They have that mm-hmm. ability, and the Pistons are the worst team in the league. But still, like that, that kind of um, fourth quarter, like explosion is just really really impressive and in that hawks game halliburton had like 36 and 17 or something and he scored no points in the fourth because the hawks were just doubling him at like the other half of the other free throw line like as soon as basically as soon as he got within 75 feet of the basket they were just they were putting two guys at him they were even wasting Dejounte murray their best like perimeter defender or defender for halliburton just guarding him in half court basically just saying like that's fine like we need to keep him on Halliburton um every team that's played close to this it's it's um this this kind of style has lost in the first round in in pretty meh fashion the 04 Mavs are, are pretty close to this I forget the other team that plays like this um uh, the Suns made the conference finals uh, the Suns had an average defense though those okay. Suns teams right. had average defenses, and and that's and I was looking at that the other day just to see like what's the difference, and it's they were the great, they were the best offense, and then the competent defensively. This is like I think I think you're going to be looking like a 45 win team. That's their 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 Pythagorean win expectation is about 45 at the moment. Hey, I'm fucking nailing this. Sorry. <laughs> I think that there's a chance that they improve defensively. Like I watched them play Toronto, which is another 130 to 130 game basically, and. You know, Bruce Brown is a good defensive player. Miles Turner can come over with the weak side protection. Uh, and Jordan Nawara was playing. He hasn't been in the rotation this much, much early, but he provides some really strong defensive minutes. I, I'm not going to promise you that it's going to be above, you know, 20. But I think if they could get to like the 20th best defense, that could go a long way. And I, I think they do have the personnel to make that happen. I mean, Buddy Heald is a is a pretty competent small forward defender at this point. I know Aaron's going to push back because you don't want to say anything nice about Buddy ever. But <laughs> no, the numbers of, of Buddy guarding uh, bigger players are pretty strong. I think if they could get a decent four, I mean, Obi Toppin is serviceable, but not good. So fun, um, though. So fun. I mean, just, just like we anticipated. Like, we all kind of oh, picked yeah. out as that's a great pickup and this is going to be really fun. And he's he's just as fun as I thought he'd be. Uh, I don't think the Pacers have the personnel to improve this defense, but more so than that, I don't think they're trying to. They're playing a play style that is going to warrant tons of points scored against them. And they have the worst point of attack defenders in the entire NBA with like average rim protection behind them, essentially like above average. Like Miles Turner can cover, but he's not like he's not going to make up for for Halliburton or for uh, or for Buddy Heald. Right. I mean, like, at this point, their defense really suffers from the fact that they do nothing well. Um, <laughs> they, are bad, they are bad at rebounding, they foul a lot, they don't get any turnovers. But one thing that you can take hope from is that, you know, like Aaron just said, they do have competent 
you know, about average, decent rim protection. And at the moment, their defensive system is essentially force everything to Miles Turner and hope that he can block shots, uh, which he has done, you know, reasonably well, not outstanding. It's not the Bucks, you know, with Brook Lopez kind of style, but he has been decent. The trouble that they're running into is that they actually allow very few threes. They're the best in the in the league at not giving up three-pointers, um, but their opponents are hitting about 40% of those threes at the moment. And so with some downward regression, you know, their, their defensive scheme in terms of the shots that they give up is not too bad. It's just that opponents are making every single one of their three-pointers and then they don't force turnovers and they don't rebound and they foul a lot. The Kings had the same issue last season. I remember seeing graphs about how like they are they are best at not allowing threes, but teams are just raining it on them. And so I had hoped that their defense would get better. That never came. Just I don't I don't know what's gonna happen in Indiana, but that just that sounds like my uh my own troubled experience. Defensive rebounds certainly something they could improve at. I mean, right now they're playing so many smaller guys. Like Halliburton's big for a guard. But if you play him next to Bruce Brown and next to Buddy Heald, like that, that's not a big wing core. Uh, and then Obi Toppin is just garbage at rebounding. Like that's that's what I'm. Well, really Turner too. Yeah, Turner has never been a good rebounder. They've limited their the offensive impact that he can have because they've always tried to play him with another guy, um, you know, like a Sabonis or or whatever someone else that can rebound because to, to make up for his inefficiencies there. Man, if they could get Sabonis, they would have a really good team. <laughs> I was going to say, they should, they should trade for Davion. The Kings, uh, the Kings Pacers pipeline should just keep going. Um, I got to mention, though, the Pacers are in one of the best spots in the entire NBA. Their roster is basically all not under contract the next few years, except for Halliburton. Like Halliburton's on this massive deal and everyone else is expiring or expires next year. And so like this, this team could be built. They have a shot here to build something really special around a really special player. And they're not locked into to any of these guys. We'll have to see if they can get him another star. Hey, maybe they can uh, bring in Julius Randle, get a, get a multi-time All-NBA presence next to uh, Halliburton. Please don't. How, how, how about the, the best way to ruin a good offense? Bring in Zach Levine. Have him hold the ball for 18 no. seconds every play. You, you don't need more offense. Though. There, <laughs> there are other teams that could use a Zach Levine. Indiana is not one of them. Uh, moving on to Group B, we have the Bucks currently up. They've won all three of their in-season tournament games. They have a plus 13 differential. Behind them, you've got both the Heat and Knicks, who are 2-1, and one, with a plus 3.7 differential for the Heat. A plus six differential for the Knicks. The Bucks play the Heat, uh, and there is a potential that if the Heat win, they would have to win by a significant number to flip the differentials enough to to overtake Milwaukee. So if the Heat win, Bucks could hold on to the spot. If he win by a lot, he could take over. Or if Heat win and Knicks beat uh, the Hornets by a lot, then Knicks could take this seed. Gentlemen, what are we thinking? Who's who's coming out of the spot? Who this uh, grouping interests you? It's all perfectly clear. All makes perfect sense. <laughs> um, the Heat aren't the Heat aren't beating anybody by by a huge amount. They have to win by two or three points per game. Um, that fucking team crawls back and just bites me in the ass. They're only ten and seven, but it just it just feels like they're they're gonna hang around. They they had such a slow start. They turned it on, and now they're gonna. They finally got to five hundred or above it. They're gonna coast for the rest of the season. I can't fucking stand them. I have to note that Milwaukee, we were shocked at their deficit, uh, but now just 13 points heading into the fourth quarter. I'll have to keep an eye on that one. Obviously not in-season tournament play, but 
But yeah. But we have had some strong Bucks play of late. We finally had Giannis and Dame get going in the same game. Also the same game where Brooke Lopez put up his career high or tied his career high with 39 points. I got to say, I watched the game, and as good as Brooke played, I feel like they still want to do Adrian Griffin's trapping defensive style, and that just doesn't look good with Brooke out there. So like that, there is some budding of heads of personality and of skill sets. I, I don't know what it's going to take for them to just start Pat Coddington. Maybe it's the fact that they just don't have a good enough bench, but it feels like he makes a lot of sense in that starting lineup. Over who? Well, right now over Middleton because he's not playing. They put in Andre Jackson Jr. I wouldn't mind him over Beasley. I feel like he is a better connector and ball mover than Beasley. Although Beasley's been a slightly better shooter this season. I don't know. It's, it's been weird. I, I I mean, I really thought that Milwaukee was going to come in and just blow the doors off of people. And the in-season tournament, they have. Uh, but 11-5, and five, they took that loss to Boston. That I wish I felt better about how competitive they were. Yeah, and the big thing with them this year is that their defense hasn't been up to standard. They're doing a lot of things that they've done well in terms of like, um, rebounding, for example, they're still good at you know having those two big guys on the floor at all times. Um, but like you were saying, Nate, the defensive scheme just isn't the same where they're able to really protect the rim, um, and that's where a lot of the damage is actually being done on them. Which you you know you wouldn't expect from a team with Brook Lopez, who's just this mountain that sits under the rim and no one can shoot over, and Giannis, you know, probably one of the best help side defenders, maybe like of all time in terms of non center players but opponents are shooting really well at the rim and a lot of that's got to come down to scheme like we did suspect probably a defensive regression having Damian Lillard who's a defensive liability um it makes it hard to play that scheme that they have succeeded in with the drop bigs when your point guard can't get over a screen at all you know the way that they had your holiday so be interesting to see whether the scheme is something they can adjust to to build a bit of defense or if this is going to be just a mediocre defense despite having you know, probably the best defensive player of the 2020s. I really think they can figure it out defensively. Um, but we really kind of thought this was going to be a juggernaut offensively. We thought the Dame Giannis pick and roll was going to be so good right off the bat. And I've been a little bit disappointed in Giannis. I don't feel like he's rolling the best. I feel like he does the the Dame Giannis pick and roll and like kind of stands there, doesn't doesn't move as much. Also, just look at his numbers and there's some weird droppage. Which is like he's rebounding less, he's uh, getting fewer assists, his turnovers are up, but he is scoring more efficiently. So like having Dame is freeing him up some. But I, I don't know. It's uh, I feel like if you were Milwaukee, you really wish you could have hired a coach after making the uh, the Lillard trade as opposed to prior, because it just doesn't seem like it's all fitting together. They're the fifth best offense per hundred possessions and the twenty second best defense. The offense is coming along. Um, and 11 and five is a great record. I mean, they, they're, they're getting wins, um, with Brooke Lopez and with Dame, obviously with Brooke, they were able to build schemes that made him like a defensive player of the year candidate. But prior to his time in Milwaukee, like in Brooklyn, he's like the worst defensive center in the league and was in, and, um, whatever scheme was being run there wasn't super effective. He just is, he is, he has slow feet and bad anticipation. At least he did in, in for the nets. Um, can you have a good defense or a great defense that has Dame and Brooke Lopez on the floor at the same time? Cause it feels like you kind of need 
certain schemes to make both of those guys work where i mean brooke was this it just insane rim protector because they had like drew holiday and eric bledsoe and always had really good defensive mm-hmm. point cards to to help on that side but dame isn't isn't going to be able to to cover that and then it makes brooke look way worse and i know he's a good defensive player now and i know it's possible um and so it's like okay like or do you just have to accept that this is going to be an average defense so you're saying they need davion mitchell to uh to play with Brooke in those minutes, mm-hmm. that way they can be a lockdown defense. And then honestly, they bring the Portis Lillard lineup and go more switchy and attacky. Yeah, honestly. I mean I think Davion really could help a lot of people, um, as long as they aren't trying to score any points. <laughs> 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 I I think I think when you readjust his like he is a utility guy, then if you're really struggling with point of attack defense and really have no one to guard guards, he's great for that in like ten minutes a game. 15 minutes here and then, but he can't be your everyday backup point guard because your team simply will not score when he's out there. Uh, I could really see in in short spurts, though, going like, because with Giannis, you're going to score points. Like, you'll figure it out. I could see that even in Dame, Dame, Davion, Giannis, and Brooke and just throw all four of them out there and they all kind of cover each other's backs. He kind of like is that archetype of like Dennis Smith, Frankie Smokes kind of point guard where it's like really useful to have as just like a point of attack defender, but then you've got to like have so much around them to get a passable offense. I don't know what happened to him, man. I feel like his, his rookie season seemed better, and I, I made a video saying he just he's a point guard. He's point guard size, but he has no point guard skills. He's really yeah. a point guard only by by height alone. That's the only defining characteristic that makes him that. He's, he's like he's a power forward, but he's like fits in just too short to play the four. He's also too short to be like that impactful defensively. I mean, you mm-hmm. see it in Sacramento, like. How good is a six foot defensive ace when you can just switch bigger wings onto him? You know, if four out if four out of the five players in the court are a massive mismatch, how much is that really great advantage at the one? It just isn't. It just isn't. That's way too much Davion Mitchell talk for our <laughs> Nathan, um, Nathan, this is this is what the people come for, okay? I'm thinking Where else are you getting Bucks. multiple minutes of Davion <laughs> Mitchell analysis while we're talking about the Bucks? Who wants to hear about Giannis and Damian Lillard? <laughs> I, I crunched the numbers of what it would take for the Knicks to make the the Group B uh, champion. They would need the Heat to win. And if the Heat win by two points, the Knicks would then have to beat the Hornets by eight, uh, sorry, by 19 points uh, for them to get the point differential needed to overtake Milwaukee. Wow. Do the, do, do the Heat play first? Like, will they know the result before they go into their Hornets uh, game? You're asking me what time these games are. It's not <laughs> enough to tell you that they're the same day. These games are both taking place on Tuesday. Milwaukee is going to play at 7.30, and the Knicks are also playing at 7.30. So it will be okay. games will be happening simultaneously. I think it's safe to say, safe for all of us to predict, that the Bucks will be the winner of Group B. But, uh, I like it. I like that right. the good teams are are winning these. That you know, I think we have some we have some good nominations. Basically, I hope Milwaukee gets in. And I hope it's I hope it's great in season tournament championship games. I do too. I think there's also still a, a strong chance that the, the Knicks, being three and one, if they beat the Hornets, will get the wild card. Because um, right now they've got the best point differential of anybody that's lost a game. So of all the two and one or the three and one teams, uh, that. That could bode well for them to maintain this and get the wild card seeding. 
But Group C for the Eastern Conference, you've got Orlando, who has finished all of their games. They are 3-1 and one with a 5.5-point differential. Brooklyn and Boston are both 2-1. and one. Boston, 2-1, and one, dead even, no-point differential. They would need to win this game against uh, Chicago by 22 points to win Group C. I mean... <laughs> uh, Brooklyn, playing Toronto, they have a 2.6-point differential. They would need to win by 12 points or more to uh, to surpass Orlando. How are we feeling about Boston's chance of winning by 22 against Chicago and Brooklyn's chances of winning by 12 against Toronto? I feel fantastic about Boston's chances to beat Chicago by that much. Especially if they're trying. Like, if they know that there's a goal that they have to achieve, they're like, okay, we have to stomp this team. Like The Bulls in the last two weeks have gone 2-6. and six. They're just not very good, man. Boston has fallen off quite a bit from their like 70 win pace to just a very good team. They're still kind of working out the Jalen Brown thing with this. Like Brown had that got the huge money has not been great. And we nailed that, by the way. We had him outside our top 30 heading into this season. Um, got a lot of pushback from that. People wanted him like top 20, and it just hasn't been close to that, unfortunately. Um, but Tatum has been as good as he always is. And yeah. Boston looks great, man. I mean, they're they're five man lineup. They're they're Drew Holiday, Tatum, Brown, Kristaps, and who gives a shit lineup is awesome. Just they they dominate people. I was googling to try to find what the Vegas spread was on Chicago, uh, Boston, and it's it's Boston minus nine. So they would have. I feel like that's a pretty safe bet to really be going for now. Oh, if you know, hey, they have to win by twenty two to get to get this position in the in the tournament. So. I said who gives a shit for the boss lineup. That's Derek White, by the way. My apologies. Yeah. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's a Drew Holiday, White, Brown, Tatum, and Kristaps in uh, 397 possessions, the most by any or the second most by any five man group, plus twenty eight point two, which is just they just don't lose. Interestingly, the only lineup, the only five man lineup that's better than them with over 150 positions played is the new Clippers starting lineup with James Harden and Terrence Mann. Whoa. A little Terrence Mann action. I'm not going to acknowledge Terrence James Mann Harden. <laughs> really, I think Terrence, we need to Terrence give all Mann. credit to Daniel Tice <laughs> because as soon as he showed up there, the whole team has just turned around. It was Man, nothing to true. do with playing two games against the worst team in the league. <laughs> that's true. Did yeah. you guys play? Uh, San Antonio twice. Oh, uh, my that's my losing streak. <laughs> oh, speaking of the worst teams in the league, uh, the Wizards are coming to Detroit tomorrow? Oh, Tickets yeah. are dirt cheap. You gotta go. I can get, I can get like mid tier, uh, like near center for like sixty bucks. I'm talking like tenth row of like the lowest bowl. Man, uh, I pay extra for that. But it's the Wizards versus the Pistons. It also pay... be my wife's <laughs> first time going to an NBA arena. First time <laughs> watching an NBA game. She'll never go back. <laughs> Is this the experience that I want her to have her first yeah. NBA game? At? It's rather rather that than the Pistons getting mopped by an average team. It's it's the tank ball, dude. You could explain these are the worst teams in the league. Enjoy it. You get to see uh, Cade versus Kuzma battling missing isolation jump shots. Mm-hmm. Hey, I'm going to. I won't. I won't go too on about too long about this. But I'm going to the Kings Warriors game on Tuesday. I'll see Draymond's first game back. See, that sounds like a much better game. I'd honestly, I'd, I'd way rather watch Pistons <laughs> Wizards. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh, I don't God. want to watch us lose to fucking Draymond, man. That's, that's ridiculous. 
we'll we'll get to there because that game has pivotal implications to Group C of the Western Conference. Uh, but to write our course back into, I'm sure Aaron knew about that when he bought those tickets as well. Oh yeah, uh, to write our course back into Boston. Have you guys felt like Kristaps Porzingis is the second best Celtic? Yeah, it's not Jalen Brown anymore. He's <laughs> like the fifth best player on that team. <laughs> I wasn't sure that was too hot of a take or too spicy, but like I watch them play, and every time if they're out there, like KP and Tatum are insane together. Uh, they had a great run of Jalen Brown sign up Porzingis in a game I watched not too long ago, but it was like Porzingis was the guy, and and Brown was as much as Brown ever defers. Brown was deferring to Porzingis. Porzingis is averaging nineteen points per game on fifty five percent shooting. I mean, he's just getting just gimme looks and. This this team has so so many ways to attack, and he has the the, the post up presence where when the offense does does get stagnant, or if there are switches to be made, they could just tear you apart. Or if he's standing wide open underneath the basket, and Jalen Brown shoots it anyways. That's uh, they can still recover from that. Did you guys see that play? No, no, it was like to tie the game, and Kristaps. So I was way down in the fourth, and Kristaps was just underneath the basket, as wide open, like literally no one's around him, and. Brown shoots like a like a wing three, even though Kristaps is just looking at him with his hands up and he misses. Sorry, Jalen Brown. Brown this season twenty one points on forty four percent shooting. It just feels like what he's bringing isn't isn't super fun. But what do you guys think? Uh, I listened to another podcast that suggested Boston trading him to Philadelphia to Trojan horse tank Philadelphia and ruin <laughs> the vibes there. And I was just like, it's not a bad plan. <laughs> Jalen Brown for Tobias Harris. I'm interested. I don't know. I, I I think Boston's going to click even more than they have at this point, and I'm I'm just scared that they're getting Title 18. I, I don't like it. There's no part of me that likes this. I'm praying for an injury. Not really, because I don't want to see guys get hurt, but kind of. I'll just add one interesting piece of statistical analysis. By analysis, I mean reading these stats in front of me. Jalen Brown, 28% usage, um, scoring about 1.08 points per shot. Kristaps Porzingis, 20% usage, scored 1.33 points per shot. So they are a lot better when Jalen Brown, sorry, when Porzingis shoots, and he shoots a lot less than Jalen Brown. So there's the um, the low-hanging fruit. Give the ball to Porzingis more and less to Jalen Brown. I like it. Amen. On to the Western Conference. But also don't do that because we none of us want to see the Celtics win. I don't mind the Celtics. Uh, fuck you. and on to the western conference where group a has been decisively won by the future nba championship los angeles lakers uh i will allow you guys to start the apology form in whatever fashion you so choose i wait did we did we skip the magic with the magic in the last group they were they've already locked in they're they're three do you want to talk some magic? We, I we feel like it's Lakers. necessary. I feel like it's necessary. They're, sure. what, what's their record? Like 12 They're and 5 and or one. something? Uh, in, the, in overall. Yeah, overall 11 and, five. 11 and 5. If they are second in the East as of uh, as of this recording, I believe. Man, Orlando. Check them out. <laughs> Best defense of rating? Yeah. Per 100 possessions second, which we'll all nitpick a little bit. I think we're seeing a lot of rebuilds kind of kind of be cooked in a way, um, where these teams are like really good right now. The Thunder, the Magic, the Pacers, even like what the Timberwolves are doing, they've been really good. The uh, Houston, 
there. Like, there's a lot of these young teams that I don't feel like are. Yeah, that's the number one defense, right? Yeah, Houston is. They're on pace for 59 wins, dude. <laughs> the team with Alperin Shingun at center is the number one defense. Uh, yeah, they like he's been so much better defensively. He's a fucking monster. He's um, and I feel like uh, but the league wide, I think uh, we're having a bit of a revolution here. And um, and Orlando, Orlando being good solidifies it. I was willing just to see what's happening, but if Orlando's actually good, that's a whole different level. Um, the one team that was really bad in like twenty twenty one and is still bad because all the other teams have figured it out. Detroit Pistons. There's the, they're still rebuilding. Everyone else is winning crazy games. Their talent is ready. The the cake is cooked. They were a win Yama away from being awesome. Oh, I, I don't even I don't they need a, they need a couple a couple of women yamas. Uh, but on the on the magic side, I kind of said this after watching their last game. What makes them so fun is they have a bunch of guys who like if we're look Looking at 2K ratings, they'd all be in the 80s, and you can just swap them in and out. And it's like, oh, hey, we need some bigger wing defense. Cool, we're going to get Jonathan Isaac 20 minutes tonight. Oh, hey, uh, we need a little bit more spacing and shooting from three. Cool, we're going we're gonna to play Mo Wagner. Um, Gary Harris, hey, the rookies are having a tough time. Let's have a stable defensive guard. We're going to put him in. Um, but then you also have like Jalen Suggs, just hard-nosed defense from the jump. Anthony Black has not looked good the last two games I've watched him. But earlier in the season was playing some really solid defense. And, so, and like, I like what he brings. And Fultz has been out for a while. Wendell Carter Jr. has been out for a while. They, I, I remember hearing a lot about how deep Sacramento was. Orlando may be the deepest team in the league. They are playing a lot of guys. A lot of the guys are stepping up. Um, and like, Paolo has not been great. Uh, Franz, I don't think, has taken a leap or another step. They're just getting a little bit of something from everybody that steps on the court. They really are. Um, I think we anticipated them to be a playing team, um, but they 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 seem to be much better than that. And even without Paulo taking a leap or Franz taking that leap, um, like if you get like they got the Jalen Suggs revival, man. Like Jalen Suggs is alive. He's playing basketball again. Um, and even without like I don't know what do you do when Fultz comes back? Cause he seemed really good. And I think you're right. I mean, like their depth is just extremely impressive. They cause the most turnovers in the entire league. They just play really disruptive basketball, and they have the the athletes to do it. I mean, they they are mostly all under like twenty four years old. Like mo- I think all of that team basically, everyone getting minutes. It's super impressive what they've done. Yeah, and on, on Jalen Suggs and on their defense, um, really succeeding by getting in the passing lanes. Um, Jalen Suggs turns over three percent of the positions that he's on the floor. To give context, league average is probably about one percent. And so this dude's just like wreaking havoc. Like you cannot throw straight passes when Jalen Suggs is on the floor. Nice. We all took the over. Uh, I pulled that up. Our preseason ranking. The over under was thirty seven and a half. Uh, Aaron Dillon, you guys went just over with thirty eight, and I had forty two. So victory. Did I, fin- Did I finish with that? I don't know. You at least said it when we were on the pod, and I was writing things down. I don't know if you came back with that. Let me see. I I finished them at forty twos. That was my. I, I made a couple changes, a couple sure. last second at the buzzer sure. changes. Uh, but no, none of us were that, that close to their um fifty five and a half that they're currently playing at. Nah, none. <laughs> <laughs> Although hey, Orlando in Indiana. Could you imagine what a hot take it would have been to be like, yeah, Orlando Magic fifty five wins. <laughs> I said Man. I said OKC fifty wins, and you guys were, were like, that's Man, true. I was ah, a little too early. Ah. But you're right. 
That gives me confidence for next season. I'm going to take some big fucking swings. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, just got to go for it. We're random guys on the internet. Yeah, after OKC won 60 games this win- this year. Yeah, I mean, at that point, I feel like, who's next? Who, who could the next surprise team be? The Warriors winning 25 games after this nucleus blows up? Got to get spicy. I, I think if this nucleus blows up, 25 is, is right where it should be. Yeah. Man, I can't have shit. <laughs> Well, in part, I'm predict I'm predicting that they would blow up. So it'd be like, no, 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 like it's, this is gonna get bad, and then they lose twenty or win twenty five games. All right, are we ready for the Lakers? Uh, because I I remember there was a, a certain segment two weeks ago where it was a hey Nate's gone. Are you are you guys ready to shit on the Lakers? And uh, I believe I believe the Lakers are four and zero in this uh, in season tournament bracket. They uh, took care of business against Phoenix. Yeah, Adam Silver did them did did them some nice favors with um their their group. Where we don't need to discuss the group. Four and zero in the in season tournament, and the point differential of a uh, of um plus zero point six, so about a five hundred team. Yeah, the teams the Lakers beat <laughs> to get to this four and zero, including the Phoenix Suns, was the Memphis Grizzlies, the Portland Trailblazers, and the Utah Jazz. Three of the worst teams in the NBA. Yeah, basing this off of last year's uh, standings was dumb in the beginning. Like, I don't know why we didn't just do divisions. Yes, the Pacific Division would have been a bloodbath, but like, it would have been more fun. We could create some regional rivalries. Uh, instead, you just gift LA a cupcake schedule, which I'll take it. I like it. Give me my Lakers praise. Tell me how great they are. All right, I'll go first. Um, they're the best fourth quarter team in the league. Right, currently they're outscoring teams by an average of four point two points in that quarter. You just have to have like a fifteen point lead heading into the fourth. Like if it's ten points, it's gone. It's you're not gonna be able to to stop that. I, the offense they run in the fourth is really impressive. Like LeBron is gonna score like six points off of layups alone. Like they Davis gets to his spots, they find open shooters. Where I think a lot of other teams like Dallas um breaks down into uh isolations in the fourth quarter just kind of running like all right this is our guy he's gonna get us a bucket where the lakers continue to run just they, they like they pull out their best plays like they play their best Yu-Gi-Oh cards dude like that they put them down on the table like this is our best basketball and um it's 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 good stuff to watch yeah you had the tiktok the other day about the players that lead the nba in fourth quarter scoring and number one was the king himself lebron james who historically, I don't know if he's really been like a closer kind of player. Like there's always been this sort of narrative that he needs a Kyrie or like, um, you know, that sort of player, someone to get his team over the hump in the fourth quarter. But the reason that they have been able to succeed so much when I just said they've got the net rating of a 500 team is that they've been really awesome in the fourth quarter. Um, and LeBron is a big reason for that. Yeah, it's not a good sign though when he's averaging, I think it was like nine and a half points it's in the fourth quarter and he's averaging 25 points uh, on the season. So like you do kind of see him, he's waiting, he's conserving his energy and he's hoping to be able to turn it on. Um, Cause I feel like everyone knows that if LeBron turns it on too early in the game at this point, he's not going to have it at the end. And so the Lakers do kind of fall behind early. And then if it's, if it's out of reach, they just shut LeBron down and it's in reach. Then LeBron gasses himself super hard or to try to win this. Uh, I don't personally like the strategy. It's not the first time we've seen it in LA. Kobe did the same thing the couple of years without Shaq, where it was like, oh, yeah, 
I'm going to have these fourth quarter heroics and everyone's going to talk about how cool I am. Like Kobe, just knock him out on the first and then rest. But that's, that's not been the strategy. My big worry with the Lakers is like, we do not have other guards. We do not have ball handlers. Uh, they moved Reeves to the bench. And I think that's a great move for him because he's been really captaining those bench units. But we lost Cam Reddish. And if you told me losing Cam Reddish was going to hurt, I, I would have thought you were crazy, but he's been playing really good defense. And now we've been forced to throw Max Christie into the starting lineup, which, hey, MSU guy, one of the non-problematic MSU guys, it's fewer and far between right now, but uh, hasn't been good. He's he's not good at basketball yet. And that's just where we at is we need to play him because we don't have other guards on the roster. He's working on it. The Lakers have a really great combo of a top 10 defense which they, they're seventh currently. Um, and while their offense is bottom five, in the fourth, they can really turn it on. And like that's like just what you're saying. LeBron uh, waits until the fourth and can totally take over, like 15-point quarters on his own. Um, almost had that comeback in Dallas, and that was just so, so close. But uh, in terms of... In terms of like deep playoff runs, you got you got to figure out how to score when LeBron sits, because the the playoff games are you got to play hard all the time, and and can can LeBron and AD uh, survive that essentially? Yeah, not having Rui uh, has hurt. The fact that we haven't had Vanderbilt this entire year hasn't been great. You know, it's still early. Not going to complain too much about the injuries, but having having a healthy team would go a long way. I think the roster construction was a little bit too too heavy with threes and fours that can't really play down or play up. Uh, the fact that we played a Jackson Hayes, Christian Wood, Anthony Davis lineup, like all three at the same time in back-to-back games was uh, a recipe for disaster. So don't like that. Get there. No, uh, <laughs> but, but also in group a, we've got the Phoenix suns who at three and one with a positive 8.5 point differential they are likely going to be the wildcard team. I've tried to figure out some other scenarios of who else might be able to get it. And I, I think it's I think it's going to be them. I can't really figure out a scenario where someone else, unless Minnesota just demolishes OKC to get a, a massive point differential, 99% sure that Phoenix will will be that wildcard team. What are you guys seeing from the Suns other than the elder abuse and how many minutes Kevin Durant is playing? They're the worst fourth quarter team in the league. They're the polar opposite. <laughs> They're number 30. And I think it comes down to their depth and the elder abuse. Uh, I really just want to mention, because we have basically not talked about Bradley Beal at all. How many games do you think Beal's going to get to? He played in two, right? So I want to say he played in the game before the Lakers and the Lakers game. 30? He's supposed to be out another month. 20? Yeah. Not, uh, not many. Let's see. Did he get 50 last year? I don't know. He seems just more injured than they're letting on. Was it uh, was it him or Booker that was initially a toe injury? That was Booker. Okay, so for he him, it's his back. back thing. Yeah. yeah, Booker's only missed half the games, unlike Beal, who's missed ninety percent of them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Beal's Beal's played in just three games. What I really have seen from Phoenix in terms of good stuff is when Booker and Katie are on the floor, they're flamethrowers on offense. That's exactly what we anticipated in terms of trying to guard those guys at the same time these just can't like they're they're two of the best tough shot makers in the entire league and the sun's offense is really good and booker has we kind of question like okay like booker no point guard they have two shooting guards booker has been facilitating really well making great passes getting his teammates involved that's like superstar shit you can be a star and be scorer a great scorer but 
that level of facilitation is the difference between like the 11th best player and the fifth best player in the league. You know, he, he has been ridiculous. And when he's played in the lineups that he's played in, um, they have been really good. Sun's starting lineup with Booker, with Eric Gordon, Grayson Allen, KD and Nurkic is plus 27 per 100 possessions and they put up 136.8 points. So when both of those guys are in, like they are fucking humming. You know, the offense is absolutely blowing teams out. The difficulty comes when either one of those guys aren't on the floor. It's a real lack of playmaking. Um, you know, they, they tend to, to ISO. And coming into this, like one of the holes that was poked in this roster was a lack of a point guard. Um, they don't really have a facilitator, you know, on the on the roster outside of the guy whose name we were always forgetting. Booker. Um, yeah, always forgetting Devin Booker. Jordan Goodwin. Oh, um, <laughs> and, and like that would be probably okay when you've got Bradley Beal and Devin Booker who are both like a, you know, 1.5. You put those together and you've got, you know, an average of a whole point guard. Uh, but when you don't have that and you don't just have two otherworldly offensive talents, the offense really uh, tends to struggle. I think it's pretty safe to say that the best playmaker, best best connective joint passer, the guy that moves the ball the best, aside from Durant and Booker, has been Yusuf Nurkic. Like his connective passes, normally off of one of them creating, uh, then they hit Nurkic, then Nurkic moves it and gets the assist. Like I don't, I don't think a team with Nurkic is potentially the second or third best passer is getting there. Like thus far, Nurkic has held up incredibly well. He's been a good scorer, solid rebounder, really nice passer for them. But uh, I just, I still am expecting him to break down at some point. I don't know. I just, I, I don't think they've addressed any of the issues. I think they've been good at all the things that we thought they'd be good at, and the health has been much more concerning. Nurkic is better than Aiden. Nurkic has been better than Aiden. Yeah. I'll toss that one out. I mean, yeah, that was the right call. Did you see the uh, Devin Booker quote after their matchup? I saw the one before where he said, I don't know when that was actually, about how he, he hopes Aiden tries that hard all the time. Was that after? Yeah, <laughs> yeah that was after the matchup, yeah. I want to say. He, he hit him with the, you played hard, champ. <laughs> Damn, that's messed up, dude. <laughs> It is kind yeah. of wild that Aiden is averaging like 12 points per game on the worst offense in the entire league. Ooh, let's check on the Bucks game. Uh, Bucks the Bucks have the lead. Have the lead. Yep. 15 seconds left. Called that, kind of. So DeAndre Aiden isn't the honest stopper after all? Uh, No, but he's got 14 points tonight on six field goal attempts. He played hard. Played hard, my man. Both teams <laughs> played hard. Yeah. The Phoenix bench, I've liked their other guys, their the depth around it. I've said that before. I don't need to go really back into it, but the health for Beal has been much more of a concern than I thought it would be. It's probably something that wasn't talked enough, talked about enough when the trade happened. Is that like this dude hasn't played you know seventy games very often in his career? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean the last couple of years has been fifty and forty games. I had seen a Reddit post just like in the off season talking about how Bradley Beal actually isn't injury prone. He just happened to have a couple like fluke injuries. But I do I feel like being injury prone is almost more weird shit just happens to you and less like oh my knee acts up. Like Bradley Beal like slips on banana peels. It doesn't have to be like oh, Joel Embiid like, as well. Like he he misses yeah. all these games from like getting hit in the face by his own teammate. <laughs> you know, it's like all this random shit. It's not it's not like oh my foot's bothering me. Like that's a chronic injury and that's serious, but I feel like for a lot of injury concerned guys, it's just like cartoon injuries, dude. He fucking yeah. slept in the shower or some shit. Like <laughs> who was that? They like tore the ACL by slipping in the shower. I think it was John Wall. Yeah. 
It was Achilles, exactly. man. That was nasty. Yeah, that's right. Also, Mel Daniels slipped in the shower and hurt his back in the 70s. Shout out. Mm-hmm. And Bob Nedelicki kept a lynx in his shower in college. Teammate of Mel Daniels. A lynx. I keep on trying to tell my brother about Nedelicki, and I'm like, I'm like, you own exotic animals, but I'm like a tiger. I'm like, that's fucking too much. It started with a lynx, and then he got a lion. Okay, I wasn't that far off. <laughs> <laughs> All yeah, right, this, okay. This before yeah. Tiger King was cool. But uh, moving on past Phoenix, we've got the Group B, which currently the representative would be the Pelicans, with a three, uh, three victories, one loss, plus 8.3 differential. So solid, solid uh, outing from them. But the Rockets could could take over that spot if they beat Dallas by more than 12 points on Tuesday. How are we feeling about Pelicans? How are we feeling about Rockets? Does Dallas have anything to play for? In season no. tournament-wise? In season tournament-wise, no. But regular season standing-wise, yes. Pelicans stomped on my Kings. I'm really happy that the Kings have no more of these two-game miniseries. Because they go... Horribly each time. First against Houston, then against the Pelicans. The Pelicans just have a ton of front court size and depth and length and other adjectives. Have you seen their this new kid Hawkins they've got? Jordan Hawkins, their rookie? I have. I someone keeps commenting on my videos to make a video on him, and I just don't have enough information to to, to <laughs> feel, be like, I don't know, he's really good, dude. He's fucking awesome. Tell can you tell us more about Jordan Hawkins? More in depth analysis? I, I've been doing my box score watching series on uh on TikTok and the dude came out and just was like an abysmal shooter. Like uh, first two games, uh, just just terrible shooting. Let's this the OKC game. I pulled it up here. Four for nineteen from the floor. Uh, two for thirteen in from three. The next game, one for seven from the floor against Detroit. Uh, one for five from three. And I was like, man, how much? How much is this guy paying the coach to be getting these starts? Uh, but then. He's he's picked it up. He's been shooting a lot better of late. I've been watching them play. I just watched the Jazz game earlier today, and he's he's got long arms. Like I mistaked him for Herb Jones with how long his wingspan is. Uh, yeah, he's gonna try to shoot. He's a little bit honestly kind of reminds me of like the young like teenage Kobe in the NBA highlights of like I'm daring and I'm gonna go for anything and shoot shots that I shouldn't. But like when they go in, it's great. And I like to see the confidence from the young guy and the long arms. I, I'm pretty high on what he could be. I don't think he's there yet, but he will 100% be on the all-rookie teams. Yeah, you heard it, you heard it here first, folks. Jordan Hawkins is the next Kobe. Um, <laughs> and they, they actually do need that from him. Just If you look down this roster, um, you know, Aaron made a good point of all this front court depth, a lot of size, um, their best lineup, which they've, they've been starting since, um, I think CJ's back now, but he missed some time, and they, they went to Dyson Daniels at the one. They had Dyson Daniels, Brandon Ingram, Herb with, as their one, two, three. Like, that's all guys that are six, eight with like 17-foot wingspans. But none of those guys are elite shooters. And so when Jordan Hawkins gets in the game, like, his role is very simple. It's, you're the only one in a lot of these. I mean, he might be the only, like, real plus shooter on the entire roster. And so his, Trey Murray. his role... Uh, yeah, Trey, Trey Murphy, although he's injured, he's probably not going to play for. Yeah. Um, yeah, this year. Um, yeah. Um, so, yeah, he's, he's Hawkins is like the one real positive shooter, and he has a very clear role, which is you need to move off the ball and you need to shoot if, if you are somewhat open because we can't get a lot of shooting. But that lineup with Dyson Daniels as, as the point guard has just been stomping teams. They're plus 30 per 100 positions. 
Man, that's pretty. That is really good. I'm not really not sure what to make of New Orleans. They they did lose CJ McCollum with just wild injury, punctured lung or something. Mm-hmm. And then that obviously hurts. And we talked about their shooting and getting him back will help whenever whenever he makes his return. The Pelicans just seem so up and down. Like they 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 even now are just nine and eight on pace for 38 wins in terms of their net rating. Um, but they've been playing really well as of late. And I'm just not sure where the roller coaster is going to take us next because the what they did to the Kings and what they've been doing um, recently has just been they look like what we wanted them to look like, which is just this this super athletic team that gets the rim like crazy and has Zion just dunking on people. I just want to see if they can sustain that at least slightly above average play for like a month, two weeks. Yeah, yeah. Um, they they struggled at the start of the season. They had a lot of guys out. Um, Jose Alvarado just came back. Um, CJ McCollum obviously just missed time. Herb Jones was injured. So they were, you know, going quite deep into the roster. Um, and those guys have all sort of come right around the same time. Um, and they, you know, over the last two weeks, they're the sixth best net rating in the league. So if this is more indicative of their true play, um, you know, this team with most of the guys healthy, then like maybe that, that slow start can just be attributed to losing some players. But the the fact that they're so good on offense with Dyson Daniels, Herb Jones, Zion, and Valanciunas, you know, all these guys that can't really shoot well, um, is concerning. Val just doesn't shoot a lot, but he's close to 40% from three this season. Uh, I, I went and checked because um, I kind of forgot. But Matt Ryan, and I've had a lot of people ask me for Matt Ryan videos, uh, the yeah. real Matty Ice out there, he had a hot shooting stretch for them. They do have shooters that's just... I don't know that the roller coaster will ever end as long as the team is dependent on Zion and he's going to be in and out of the rotation. Like they lost to the Jazz and they lost to the Jazz without Zion. And they lost to the Jazz because Ingram was outplayed in the fourth quarter by Colin Sexton, which is not a good place to be as a as a team. But like if you have Zion, all right, now Zion's the guy and Ingram's the two, and everyone kind of shifts down a peg and it it looks really good. Um, which they they've had a lot of that, so. I, I hope that they can hold on. I'd like to see them in a single elimination in style. I feel like that could bring back some March Madness vibes. And it'd be a lot of fun. The, the, the last time Zion played really well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they look great. It kind of reminds me of the, the Pelicans Suns first round matchup that went to six, like 2022. Um, I'm like, man, this Pelicans team like, has a lot of pieces. And even now they, they've built on that. And uh, I had them as a 44 win team heading into this season. Feeling good about it. Yeah. Yeah. And for anyone listening, if you need a new, you know, big Australian point guard that you can cheer for, go check out a Pelicans game and um, look at Dyson Daniels. Ben okay. Simmons, no longer our best friend, new best friend, Dyson Daniels. <laughs> nice. Uh, Daniels also got like five steals uh, the other day. Like, yeah, he's a, he's a he's a six eight point guard with like long good defensive arms chops. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, good instincts. Uh, so barring Houston just absolutely demolishing Dallas. Pelicans will hold on for Group B. In Group C, the Sacramento Kings are currently undefeated. If they win, I've got a three-way scenario here. If they win, sorry, four-way. If if the Kings win, they will hold on and, and represent uh, Group C. If Golden State wins, but barely, the Kings will likely hold on because of a massive point differential, or plus 9.6. If Golden State wins by a little, and Minnesota wins their game by a ton minnesota would have a three and one and potentially a point differential enough or if golden state wins by a ton 
and Minnesota either loses or doesn't win by a ton, maybe Golden State can get a big enough point differential. But the Kings are in the driver's seat. Aaron will be our eyes and ears on the floor live. Aaron, what are you expecting? I'm expecting to get our asses kicked because the Warriors <laughs> beat us every time. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm ass, expecting Draymond to come in. Asses kicked by a little or asses kicked by a lot? Oh, what does it matter at that point? I mean, it's all the same. It's <laughs> well, all, the point it's differential. All... No, it, it matters. <laughs> yeah, you guys have a good point differential right now. Am I visualizing a heartbreaking loss that I like in bat on the drive home or something I leave in the third quarter? <laughs> It's a home game. Come on, you got to at least give it a give it a close loss. It's 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 I'll go close loss. I'll say Draymond like throws Sabonis into the stands. Um, they call it tech on Sabonis for landing on like a fan, <laughs> um, and that's how we lose. It's a one point loss. Steph shoots the technical for, yeah. the, for the win. <laughs> Steph shoots the tech for the win uh, as Draymond continues to beat on Sabonis in the stands, Malice of the Palace style. Draymond suplexes Sabonis, but. In the process of tossing him to the ground, his jersey becomes untucked, which is a technical. <laughs> you know, the Kings exchange beating the Lakers every time for losing to Golden State every time. I really hope we can win. I don't think I've ever... No, I watched this win game one in the in the playoffs, but it just feels like beating Golden State's distant memory. Um, if there is a time to get at them, though, it feels like right now, it feels like as they're kind of Draymond's first game back and they're still figuring out a bunch of other stuff and they've been playing pretty poorly and sliding and clay is taking every shot he sees he he is just he is chucking that fucking thing man he really is (laughs) (laughs) trying to get it back he's trying to get it back he's forcing it i wanted to mention though and i had predicted the the warriors be really good like a 50 win team and and nay was was on board with this because the andrew wiggins piece um what happened to andrew wiggins do you guys have have you guys seen him? Well, he looks scared. He looks timid. He is not attacking. There's um, it, it looks like Minnesota Andrew Wiggins. And he, he forgot how to defend as well. He was fine in the playoffs last year. Like he he was like you know getting up to speed, but like I I have no idea. It's not. I mean he he missed some some he missed a lot of time for some pretty serious stuff if if I remember correctly, and maybe that's still affecting him. But he has gone from like this is going to be their their second best player. Like he has to be really impactful to like they are awful when he is playing because he's he's can't shoot and he can't score and he doesn't rebound and he doesn't facilitate he's just out there to be out there i feel bad like harping on him but it's just such a curious case he is taking three fewer attempts uh this season than last season all three of them are were three pointers last year was attempting six threes this year's attempting three threes last year he shot basically 40 percent from three this year it's 25 percent from three uh his scoring is down from 17 points to 11 points like it is it is scary even the free throws have fallen off like he's shooting 56 percent from the free throw line um never been great but you know we're talking like 60 70 percent uh from free throws and it's it's just zero confidence it's a lack of wanting to do anything i know we talked about who who might come off the bench if they really want to start chris paul and i don't think any of us uh thought thought wiggins because it seemed like wiggins was going to be the yeah. best of them but it's i mean best outside of curry um it's it's been shocking how bad he's been yeah uh 19.7 points per 100 better when he's not on the floor wow uh, i i did crack the math here while we were talking in on this the warriors would have to win by 24 points to surpass the kings uh and then the timberwolves would need the kings to lose 
We need a combination of the Kings losing by and them winning by a total of 30 points to get this spot here. So it, it seems pretty safe that Sacramento is going to hold on mm. to this uh, placement, this this seed. Yeah. What, what um then becomes the, I guess, like playoff, in-season tournament playoff? Uh, I think it's... I think it's really dependent on uh, on point differential. So it's not like Group mm. A plays Group C or plays Group B. It's whoever has the best right. point differential, you know, plays the second best. So I'm not even going to try to do the math with so many games. <laughs> All right, well, let's predict. We'll predict the score of every single game live, um, and then you can do the math. I want to note one more thing on Wiggins. Just looking at his numbers, he's being assisted on 68% of his two-pointers and 100% of his three-pointers. And in 2022, he was assisted on 50% of his two-pointers and 90% of his three-pointers. So still really high, but it feels like even the points he is getting are kind of gimmies. Kind of Chris Paul, Steph Curry cutting to the basket, open threes and stuff, and the like. The, the creation is just gone. Or he... He had those. He could get to those mid-range jumpers pretty well in seasons prior. So I last week it's piece. Maybe it's um the correlation is inverse. There, it's not that he's getting less um self-created shots because he's not shooting well. Maybe he's not shooting well because he's getting less opportunity to do those self-created stuff. And we're talking about how so much of the issue for him is confidence. Well, Chris Paul is now pounding the ball every time he's on the floor for you know while everyone else runs around, and maybe that's affecting Wiggins' ability to get, you know, sort of his, his head into the game. Mm. I've wondered that with Tobias Harris, because I felt like Tobias has looked a lot better for Philly this year, not played next to Harden. He gets to ball handle a little bit more. Maybe it's having that secondary ball handler with Chris Paul out there, and now Wiggins doesn't get as many touches. But it, it feels like that's something that they should be able to figure out. It's all Chris Paul's fault. I blame I mean, you. <laughs> Chris Paul, the death of the Warriors. Uh-huh. It was the Trojan horse all along. He came yeah. in to end the, this dynasty once and for all. He couldn't beat them. He's here to finish this. I think he probably made a deal with the devil a little while ago. It's like, okay, you could either win the championship with Houston, um, or you can have a torn hamstring, but I'll let you end the Warriors dynasty. And he's like, okay, give it to me. Take my hamstring. I'm, I'm finishing these dudes. <laughs> and the way he finishes them is by joining them. Yeah. I mean, really looking at like, the point differential, like the Warriors are best when when Chris Paul is out here. Even because Steph, I mean, I guess it's a little unfair because Steph is out there so much, he gets the brunt of everything. But the, the Warriors are good in the minutes that Chris Paul plays, statistically. I said it earlier that there was no team that would trade for DeMar DeRozan because no one has just that like junk thirty Whoa. million dollar salary. You like lying around. Like if you have it, it's it's usually someone good. Like, gone are the days of the old bad contracts. Chris Paul is kind of still that contract. I don't know that he fits with the Warriors system, but... You are kind of onto something there, where, like, Chris Paul getting traded. Chris Paul isn't good enough, especially the Warriors aren't good enough, to justify hanging on to all this money and, and, and trading Chris Paul totally could be in the cards. I, I'm not sure who's taking him. It feels like a Laker deal to me, some desperation shit. Something, I don't know, the Clippers will cook up something. It's going to be like Westbrook and Bones Highland for Chris Paul. And that's way too much money, but... um, You, you get a non-pal in there, it becomes... Um, yeah, yeah. Non-pal, PJ Tucker action. Man, I feel like you got to keep Westbrook, though. Okay. You do Westbrook, Harden, Chris Paul lineups? Oh, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I'm interested. I'd watch that. <laughs> These guys all fucking hate each other. Like, this is awful. (laughs) (laughs) 
so mad. Like, God just throwing damn. the ball at each other's feet. <laughs> as hard as they can. Yeah, Chris Paul has another in. year. Oh, whoa. That's Chris has crazy. another year. Well, it's, it's non-guaranteed, so you can cut him beforehand. But I was thinking, you know, hey, you may like flip him for the mil guaranteed or something. No, this year was 15 mil guaranteed. If oh, he right, wasn't waived right. by a certain day. Um, next year right. was non. Uh, nice. But I was thinking, like, hey, you, you send him to Chicago. And like maybe Chicago could work out a better buyout for him, but probably maybe I mean, maybe he'd give up some money. Like if if you can't work a buyout for Demar, work a buyout for Chris Paul. It just yeah, there's uh, we found it. We found the Demar destination. I don't think that's a good fit at all. I I I don't think Demar can fit on any contender anymore. I just don't see it. He's not a good defensive player. He's cannot space the floor and it used to be worth it because he was such a dynamite scorer but now that he's just like a pretty good one it's not worth it it's just he could be the first option on an awful team but you can't put him next to a superstar because he can't space the floor and needs the basketball i mean Golden state needs someone who's willing to score the ball they need someone who is uh gonna have some aggressive yeah. and attack tendencies and hey if that's not gonna be andrew okay. wiggins could you get wiggins in that deal I mean, you could probably do Wiggins instead of Chris Paul in Golden State. I think like, I... We've got Levine and Wiggins. We've got this. Minnesota reunited. <laughs> if I'm Chicago, I think I'd be okay with that. I, I would take the. I would take. I would take a flyer on Wiggins because DeMar DeRozan's an expiring contract. He's walking. He's he's gone. Unless he's like masochistic and wants to keep playing for Chicago. I don't know. I haven't thought about that piece. Um, I would make. I mean. We just said that he he struggles so hard to, you know, it's a real difficulty to find a team where he fits well. You know, Chicago's never going to blow it up, so maybe they are the only one that's willing to offer him a decent contract and he'll just be back. Maybe. The Midwest, I'm telling you. Yeah, we'll, we'll figure something <laughs> out. But, 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 all right, so Sacramento, how have we been feeling about them thus far this season? Because they're likely representing the, uh, the West or the Group C in the West up and down man it really is it depends if we're playing a team back to back ask me after those mini series and it's the, we're the worst team in the league that second game against new orleans was closer we were trying to get trey lyles back into the rotation he looked pretty rusty um but we got a really great win against minnesota minnesota's a really good team um i still feel really good edwards Kessler edwards for you guys he was uh he's defending in, uh edwards anthony edwards like he was in your closing rotation. I did not expect that, but uh, good size, good defense. I tried to tell you in the offseason, I told you he'd be the Lakers' third best player. <laughs> I said that. <laughs> um, <laughs> we need a guard desperately. <laughs> um, I think uh, I just I, our depth is great, and I think the, honestly the biggest thing with this team is Fox has taken that leap from from like a pretty good star to an unstoppable scorer. And I had seen a comment on my video saying, well, really like, What's the difference in this team and and the last year's team? The only difference is Fox has gotten better, and like that's the difference, dude. Like that's that's the only difference I would want is is our best player to get better, like to have the t- argument to have a top theme, top fifteen player in the league. Like that's the tough part about all this. Sabonis has been playing pretty solid defense and good enough where we're not the worst defense in the league. Like we're actually kind of competent on that end, and in spurts, I can get stops in a row. Davion's not playing. That's awesome. Keon Ellis is is playing more. That's great. You just need all your guys to remember how to shoot, and then you're and then you're set. And I'm set. Um, and I don't, <laughs> the last piece I'll say is that our backup center, our centers are good this year. Last year it was 
Chimezi Metu, a little bit of Nemus Keita, Trey Lyles mostly, like small ball five, and um, and who is the other? Rashawn Holmes. And those guys aren't playing at all. Like none of those guys are. <laughs> Metu has played like 10 total minutes. Um, Holmes was in against the, against the Lakers, but prior to that had played like 30 total minutes. And so you can see how bad it had gotten. And JaVale McGee's actually like really good. In like the 10 minute spurts we get him, him and Monk as a pick and roll duo have been been really deadly. Uh, I was watching Dallas play the other day and Lively got hurt and they ended up having to play Holmes down the stretch. And I was like, ooh, that was brutal. Yeah. That was a rough watch. Yeah, he, he played against the Clippers um, when, they, when they blew them out yesterday. Yeah, 10 boards against the Lakers. Go ahead. Not, not a very good basketball player. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, guys. He had 10 rebounds against the Lakers. Yeah, he had the final steal. He, I don't know why he wasn't credited for that. He stole that basketball against Anthony Davis. You know what's crazy is he was like the hipster player of the year for like multiple years in a row. And everyone's, you know, yeah. the push shot. He made, push made like shot. 90% of his floaters. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but really with Sacramento, if Keegan Murray can remember how to shoot, like I did not realize how bad it was. 28.7% from three. And he's shooting 7.2 three-points in attempts a game. Like that's a yeah. high volume and a low percentage. I, I'm, I'm fully willing to bet that that is the highest volume to lowest percentage in the league right now. Do you want to check it on Trey Young before you start throwing out um? No, no, no. <laughs> I, I know Trey like Young. <laughs> uh, Young is not good, but Young is not that bad. Yeah. I'll give you my Keegan Murray synopsis. highest volume, uh, lowest of the twenty top 27. With Murray, the first thing I'll mention is defensively, he's been awesome. Like last season, he would have been stuck on, like I went to the Cavs game, I saw that in person, and he would have been stuck on Evan Mobley for sure. Like just put him on someone who's not an offensive threat. This season, he's picking up Donovan Mitchell. That's his matchup, and he's taking care of business. And that's just a really crazy defensive step. And it's helped us play half half decent defense this year. Offensively, the numbers, the shooting percentages look worse, but he's being asked to do a lot more. Last season, he took only the safest shots, only the best spot-up threes. For this season, he's being asked and attempting to put the ball on the floor a little bit more um, and and try to get his own shot and and hit these little turnarounds. And and so I, I think the percentages will go up when he gets a little more comfortable or starts taking easier shots, but they really try to give him the reins offensively. I think he takes, he takes the second most shots in the entire team. Yeah. I mean, I mean, De'Aaron Fox missed some time, um, in which case Mario was probably playing with a, a role that's beyond his capability, which probably didn't help his season percentages. Um, but you know, with Fox healthy, Murray falling into a more of a secondary role, um, hopefully between him and Kevin Herter, they can get above, you know, 25% from three. So I went and checked all of the three-point shooters that are shooting at least five attempts per game. And we have uh, eight guys who are shooting who are shooting below 30% from three. Keegan Murray is one of them. How many of the others can you guys name? It is a notable who's who of high-volume mm. bad shooters. I believe in you. You will get okay. all but two. High-volume bad shooters. Can you give me the, the qualifications one more time? Yes, and I lied. There's only seven of them. Okay. Seven guys... Five three points attempts or more per game, below thirty percent shooting or thirty three percent three point shooting. So we got Keegan. Keegan. So six more. Has um Jordan Clarkson fallen off into this realm? Clarkson is not in this realm. Oh, Jordan Jordan Poole's going to be. Are they Jordan Poole. When it's below thirty yep. percent from three. Poole is shooting seven threes, twenty eight point six percent. My lord. 
Um, <laughs> is oh, is Trey Young on there, or is it is is he above thirty percent by now? Trey is up to thirty six. Julius Randall. Nice, Julius Randall, six point one okay. uh, and twenty seven point cool. five. Is James Harden here? Ooh. He is not. I don't, oh, I don't think he's got the though. volume. Uh, he, he, yeah, he plays wouldn't qualify on attempts. I I really don't know. I will give you the teams. Two of them are on Memphis. One is on San Antonio, and one is on Orlando. San Antonio. Two, two is on Memphis? Two is on Memphis. Triple is Paolo the Orlando guy? Uh, Paolo is not. Triple J is. Five three-point attempts, 29.3. Memphis has another high-volume chucker. Legendary Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart. Yep. 5.5, 29.5. I do like, though, when Dylan says Mark Marcus Smart, I can... I can connect all like the history of like us, like Australia and and the British <laughs> and the Boston area all at once because it's like almost there. It's all the same accent for it's just like... that one that one name. Yeah, <laughs> it, it just all connects in my head. I'm like, okay, like, I can get it. <laughs> the other two, because I don't think we'll get there, uh, are Franz Wagner, uh, five point four on twenty seven point nine percent shooting, and Victor Wembanyama. Mm. 5.4 attempts, 26.7% three-point shooting. He's been, he's been launching them. He really has been. Man's getting shots up. Respect the hustle. 30% usage rate, Victor Minyama. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> and I honestly, though, I think they should have more, like 50%. That Spurs team is terrible. <laughs> he should have the ball yeah. every time. <laughs> We're actually passing this with fucking Jeremy Sohan. Well, Devin Vassell was out for a minute, and it was uh, uh, Kellen Johnson also missed a few games in there. I was like, ooh. Oof, this team is not good. Not good. Worst net rating in the league after a nice start. Yeah. They beat Phoenix, man. They beat Phoenix. It was the greatest game of all time. Both of them. Yeah. The blowout and then the, the steal at the end. All right. Well, so just to put a lid on the uh, play-in tournament or the in-season tournament groupings, looks like from the East where you're going to get the Pacers, the Bucks, and Orlando, potentially. Uh, Boston would have to make a... a Pretty big victory over Chicago. And then the most likely wild card is going to be the Knicks, provided they can beat Charlotte by a relatively decent margin. So uh, who do we think is coming out of the East between the Knicks, Orlando slash Boston, Milwaukee, and Indiana? Dylan, go ahead. I think the matchups will be important in those um, among those guys. Yeah, well, we don't know the matchups. So just go for <laughs> it. Just give me a team. Um, the Pacers are going all the way, baby. Hell yeah. Pacers win the East. Aaron? This is, uh, so this is it for the in-season tournament? In-season tournament. Just to clarify? Okay. Yes. And the Pacers are built for some shit like this. Um, I'm going to go Orlando. Spice. Yeah, that, they'd be the other one. It's like yeah. they're, because they're such a grinder, like they're going to be in every game. Mm-hmm. I feel like, I like don't... The, the Pacers could easily just lose a shootout. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like like I don't trust Boston. If if Boston were to even get in, um, they, they still have to, they're on the outside looking in, but a really good game against Chicago is, is relatively reasonable. But I feel like if they made it, they're just so three-point dependent that in single elimination, I don't I don't like their chances. Yeah, I think Orlando might be the safest call, but I'm going with the Pacers to come out of the East. I love it. For the West, uh, it is going to be the Lakers, the Suns, most likely the Pelicans and Kings. Who are we picking from this uh, quad grouping? I don't know, not quadruped. It's, it's not a strong showing from the West. I'm taking Sacramento. As long as uh, I feel like the Pelicans already got it all out, they got the bad juju out of their system. They whooped on us a couple times, um, and I think we match up 
we, we beat the Lakers every time, and I think the, we're an awful matchup for Phoenix. I'm going with the Lakers. I fully believe in the Lakers' fourth quarter abilities. Also, they are leading the league and follow Strawn. So, That's a uh, shocker. Yeah. Really? Are you... <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, the ability to get to the line, it just it helps you win games. I'll take um, our Lord and Savior, Herb Jones, is going to not allow mm-hmm. anyone to score on him, um, and he's going to carry Pelicans through to represent the West. I love it. And I, I should correct myself. The Lakers are not leading the league in fouls drawn. They're leading the league in fewest fouls given and sending the opponent to the, le- the line the least amount of times while being like top six in drawing fouls. That's so, preposterous. Uh, that's, so like number that's one, worse. Number one of foul <laughs> differential. Yeah, that's worse. It's just, yeah, it, tons of fouls and you can't breathe on Anthony Davis. He tips over like a fucking stack of cards, dude. <laughs> uh, well, gentlemen, any other thoughts at this juncture of the season? I think we got it out there. It was an hour and a half. There's nothing left to be said. We skipped over Houston. Congrats, Houston. You built the competent team. Their starting five is really good, and Shen Goon looks a lot better than last year. I still have some Jalen Green stock. That was a superstar, but yeah, yeah, he's, <laughs> he's like the the least exciting part of Houston. Yeah, but he, he's getting passed over a lot. No, I think that's the best case scenario for Houston is that Jalen Green was the least exciting part. If they could get to that, they're like, yeah, we we built a good team, and he just he takes easy shots, and Van Fleet's like. Uh, Tennis if he could finish a lamp, it'd be really good. He's working on it. <laughs> I talked to him. I'm like he's, he's working on it. <laughs> good, good. All right. Well, Aaron, where can people find you? Possible chairs on TikTok and this podcast all the time. Awesome. Don't where can people find you? On the Hoops Temple podcast with a slightly different, very plain background. Hey, you find me here. You can also find me Nate underscore Hoops Temple on TikTok. Also, email us hoopstemple gmail We'd love to hear from you guys. Thank you for listening. Thank you.